Hi, welcome to the Holds of Remote Podcast Show. And today I am talking to. Darren, how are you today? I'm very well, thank you, Mark. How are you doing? Well, um, well I'm going to ask you, how do you go about composing your songs? Well, um, it's not really a straightforward process because it takes me a very long time, on average, to come up with a song because the way I write is usually very, very fragmented. So what usually happens is that it starts with... Um, a phrase or a particular guitar part that I've written. Um, usually those guitar parts and um, phrases stay on the back burner for a while and then, um, without warning, I get a sudden inspiration and then Bob's your uncle, I had a song. Well, is it, which do you find easier, the lyrics or the music? Uh, it's a, probably a combination of both, really, in, in, in equal measure. Um, as first and foremost, I am um, I am a guitarist, and so because of that, uh, I would say that the music probably is the slightly more easier of the two. But um, but there are sort of certain I like to be quite creative with the lyrics that I write. So um, if there's something which I think of, then uh, I'll be more than happy to jot it down and see if it's see if I'm able to use it for something. So probably a combination of both. Do you try to rhyme in your lyrics, or do you just keep it as it is? Uh, I wouldn't say it's necessary to have um, rhymes in the songs. Obviously, for poetic means, it does help if there is um, a, a rhyme in there in, in, in songs. Uh, but um, if you look at a song that I wrote called Autumn Morning, um, 
it's like a, it's more prose than anything else. There's not really any rhymes in there at all. So um, it, it's obviously just uh, defies convention, really, if you write a song without any rhymes in, uh, without any rhyming in there. But um, I wouldn't say it was absolutely necessary to have rhymes. Who was your very earliest influence in your career in music? Um, my earliest influence, my oldest influence. Uh, uh, I would probably say, uh, it's hard really because um, I'm inspired by both um, local talent and um, professional talent alike. And um, my musical background goes back, oh god, I've always had music in the home, so um, there wasn't really uh, any one musical act really, which I would say was my. Uh, earliest influence, but um, I would say I would writing songs. I would say I, I would probably say REM as my sort of my go-to band as as an influence. Yeah, I like the, the way they they do sort of like um, attack. The, I like their song "Man in the Moon." Like one of my favourites. It's a great song. That. I think it's it was just influ- so bizarre that it's Yeah, it's influenced by the um, comedian who's in Taxi, wasn't it? Uh, Andy Kaufman. Yeah. Yeah, because I remember watching the series when I was younger. Yeah. Because I think the series was created for him. I think. Yeah. Yeah, it'd probably be about right. I don't know an awful lot about it, to be honest. I know about the... I know a little bit as the background of the song and uh, how um, he, how Michael Stipe came up with the whole idea in, in a very short space of time. Uh, it was a last-minute addition to the album, um, Automatic for the People. But um, yeah, it's a it's a splendid song. I think it's I think it's great. And when you were growing up, um, did you have any other influences on your music, like? Um say golf or punk or country or anything like that yeah I'd, I'd probably say my very earliest musical memory was growing up was listening to um 60s music so my dad um was and still is a big beatles fan so i grew up with listening to a lot of beatles and bands like uh a little bit later on as well in the 70s uh with bands like queen and uh elo as well i mean those bands really sort of summed up a lot of my um, um, childhood, really. I didn't really like a lot of the music which was around when I was growing up back in the back in the mid-90s, so I stayed within the kind of 60s, 70s and 80s bubble. I mean, you'd probably agree with me when I say that the music from those periods of time are absolutely um, are amongst the best. Well, they probably outlasted most of the songs in the 90s. If you look back, there's not a lot of many bands you could name from the 90s or band. No, no, other than obviously your Blurs and Oasis's and um, bands like that, that dominated, didn't it, the, 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 the 90s thing, and plus with, the, <laughs> with bands like the Spice Girls and things like that, but I, I, I never got it, in, well, my dad was a big Oasis fan, but other than that, um, there wasn't really an awful lot of pop music of that time that I grew up with that really resonated with me, I uh, certainly... Um, certainly felt a lot more sort of um, more of a connection with music from the 60s the 70s and the 80s 
when you how do you go do you play live I do yes yeah I play I play live uh, regularly uh, either open mic nights or uh, um, sort of uh, paid gigs lovely answer in there yeah. <laughs> it's always the case the phone always rings um, that's alright I'll leave it in um, <laughs> it, it was for you it, it was um, one of the producers saying hurry up we're trying to get this on um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, now, when you're playing live, do you get nervous before you play, or do you just go on stage prepared? You know what you're going to play, and obviously, yeah. sometimes you might, in your head, you might misplace a, a chord because it's easy done, but nobody else will notice. Yeah. Have you ever done that? Oh yeah, I've done that so many times. I've done that a lot of times. Um, but in answer to your question, uh, do I get nervous? Um, it, I think it depends on my state of mind at the time. But I think so long as I have a plan of what I'm going to play and in what order I'm going to play it in, um, what happens happens at the end of that. Um, fortunately enough, um, I don't have an awful lot. I don't have a very demanding kit. So... Uh, there's a little bit less that can go wrong in that respect in terms of the technology that I use. Um, but um, I, th I think as well it depends on the crowd. I mean, um, in the more intimate atmospheres, which is what I like because, because of the lyrical content that my songs have, um, if it's a more intimate setting, then there's nowhere to hide if you mess up a song, mess up a lyric or a chord. Um, but in much larger venues when there's so much more distraction it's not just you playing with so much going on within the crowd that um if you do misplace a chord or a, a note that you're singing then it doesn't seem so much of a big deal but um yeah for personal preferences though um the intimate atmospheres i, I really do like those and um do you play i know you play locally but have you ever been abroad to play, no. The furthest I've ever played um, was um, Ullapool up in uh, northwest Scotland. I went up there on holiday and um, uh, there was an open mic there um, when, I, when I was um, staying up there and um, did, a gig, did a gig up there. It was absolutely wonderful. And it was all on the seafront as well. You could see you could see the coastline um, through in the pub where I was playing. It was, it was brilliant. Lovely setting. Have you ever thought about going abroad doing a little gig here and there, or not appealing to you? Um, well, um, obviously if I can, um, well, I think it would depend on the, uh, well, a friend of mine did that, um, who spent quite a lot of time in the south of France and has um, taken up performing at um, open mics and things like that within that, within the sort of area. Um, but I think, um, yeah, I mean, it would be quite a nice thing to do, um, to bring an instrument and um, travel and uh, play in different places and get different, get different um, with a culture as well and, and playing in different places with all these different surroundings. Yeah, it could be quite, it could be quite a good thing and certainly something which um, um, I might be open to in the future. Well, I think music can transcend language barriers because... You, do, you might not necessarily know what they're singing about, but you can get the feel of the song. A bit like Eurovision. I know people not Eurovision, um, but I'm a great fan of it because sometimes there's some really good songs. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I'm, I'm, I completely agree with you. 
Um, it does get a lot of bad rep, but um, there are some actually are some half decent songs, and a lot of countries take it very seriously. Um, us, not really so much, but um, certainly um, a lot of the certainly the sort of Eastern European countries use that as their kind of um, scouting for the, for the for the wider audience because they're not really that well known um, apart from in their own country, so it's an opportunity for them to 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 um, get out into a into a much more global global thing. Now, when you say you do your album, I know you've released one now. How, where did you release it on? Um, what did I release it on? Yeah. Well, it's on CD, and it's also on all the major digital platforms like iTunes and Google Play, and Amazon Music. Um, so you can access the album through all different means. Yeah, so it's quite easy to access. So if anybody's listening, they could easily get to it quite they just look up oh, your yeah. name and it should pop up if on you, the search if machine. If you want to type in my name, uh, Darren Midwinter, or the album name Red Sky Perspectives, then um, then you can find me. I enjoyed the the uh, songs you sent me. I did listen to them. I put one on the oh, podcast you. with your permission, obviously, because I always ask the artist's permission first. Uh, always. It, it was quite it's quite rece- received quite well. I'll tell you a funny story about that. I was talking to a man called Keith L- Levine. Keith Levine, okay. Uh, yeah, anyway, um, I played, he, he let me have a track. He said, oh, you can have this track. Put your podcast. I said, oh, fine, thank you, you know. Nice little freebie. I put it on, and YouTube blocked me for three months because I, I even put that song on. <laughs> I, although I had permission to use it, you know, because yeah. probably he gave permission, but the ba- the record company probably thought, mm, no. Yeah. Well, that was, um, <laughs> well, at least you can say he'd been banned from something. That gives me a little bit of my punk rock back, you know. Oh, I've been banned. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I grew up with. I grew up, I grew up in the um, south end of the sea. Okay. So I grew up with a lot of um, punk, goth, speed metal, death metal, heavy metal, tech, blues, country, you name it, there's a lot of influences. That's great. No, it sounds like you had quite a good um, quite a good mix of things. I enjoyed it. I, I used to follow the, my local band around. They sort of like did a couple cover versions of the Kinks and their own stuff. They were called Napalm yeah. Death. I can remember the name because it's such an unusual name for a band. And I used to go go into their um, rehearsals now and again because I know you to be a really good band, you've got to rehearse quite a lot. Oh yeah, yeah you do. Yeah. I mean, the trouble is people see the likes of Britain's Got Talent and Pop Idol and <laughs> things like that. They think, oh, instant yeah. fame, but I think it doesn't work that way. I mean, you know yourself how no. long it can take to get any sort of success. Yeah, it doesn't work in the real world, really. Um, it's a quick fix for things like that, um, X Factor and um, things like that, where um, it's basically it's a flash in the pan at the moment that you're 
the moment that you're sort of a number one bestseller, then you're kind of um, out of the limelight, you know. And um, it's a very, it's a, it's a, it's definitely a very short term uh, career that um, people. I mean, there's obviously been the, there's a, there are a few exceptions, obviously with the X Factor, with uh, um, with the degrees of success, it's been very, very varied. But um, for the most part, it's um, doesn't it's not all not really it's not all roses, really. I would say. Do you prefer to be, I'll put it in this way, would you prefer to be really, really famous and you made yep. one really big, one real big, well, you, you know what I mean, bands make these albums, most, some of them are like mediocre, but they make like three or four really fantastic albums. They'll always be remembered yep. for. Or would yep. you rather... Um, I would... Hello. Hello. Are you still there? Yeah. I said I lost for a moment. Hello. Yeah, I can still hear you. All right. Um, but in answer to your question, um, because I'm quite, um, I'm quite particular about what, um, what I write. The amount of songs I've thrown out because I didn't like them. You, um, you have no idea. So I would say, if I'm able to, if I'm able to release fewer albums but ones I can look back on and think I did really 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 well and I absolutely love it then I would have that any day well, I think then you'd be proud of your work wouldn't you oh yeah yeah absolutely because you, you mentioned before anything. you said about being queen being a heavy influence I mean people forget yeah. that they, they made quite a lot of obscure albums that don't mean like Night of the Opera and things like that consider yeah. prog rock really in the terms, oh, yeah. of, terms of prog rock, I would call them prog rock myself. But um, yeah, they, they, they run that they, they run. They they had the one sort of like big hit with Bohemian Rhapsody, and that was like poof, that blew them out yeah. the water, sort of thing. Yeah, so if you look even in that, on that same album uh, with, with things like the Prophet song and um, one of my personal favourites, uh, the Year Thirty Nine, and you know it's. Uh, there are some real gems on there, and some very, very unusual songs. Yeah, I remember listening to it. We um, we used to do a lesson at school. We was allowed to listen to an album, and someone brought it in. I thought, oh, right. that's really cool. That's how I knew the album. From <laughs> I knew the obscure albums rather than before they got sure. famous. And obviously, I heard of Freddie Mercury because obviously, like you'd have to be, you know, you know I know he's one of. Them, Good. Uh, when I've seen the film, being him in Rapunzel, obviously they yeah. they skirted over a few bits of his life, but hey, it wouldn't if they showed that it wouldn't been the, the uh, it wouldn't been the success it would have been. <laughs> no. I mean, he didn't shy away too much from it, but he didn't go into too much detail about it. That's um, yeah, has done an awful lot for them for sure. All these new songs, which are past the sort of around the six minute mark, which are um, classic hits, you know, that everyone knows and everyone likes. Bohemian Rhapsody and songs like um, in that time bracket, like Stairway to Heaven and American Pie, and you know, sort of one of the very few songs which are long, um, but ones that everyone likes. Because the average 
Michael's songs on the radio is roughly about two to three minutes, roughly. Yeah. If you want radio play, it has to be roughly three minutes. Yeah, that's what. Because otherwise, people get more often than not, people get a bit bored, uh, or um, or just a bit kind of disinterested if the song's just slightly longer than what the norm is. Have you ever had the chance to appear on radio? I've been on radio a few times. Nothing, um, nothing sort of absolutely glo- uh, global or grand. But um, my first radio show I did about um, three years ago. There was a friend of mine um, who, at the time, had a radio show in. Um, it was called A One Radio. He was based in um, near the Mil- Mil- near the Milton Keynes area, and that was my first ever. Um, that was my first ever show on radio. And I did one um, about a month ago for my hometown in Sirencester um, for a show there on Corinium Radio. And I did uh, one last year for Radio Winchcombe, which is um, just on the other side of Cheltenham, when I did a show there for last year. So I've been on the radio a few times. Did you perform live on them? Yeah, I performed live on all... Uh, well, actually, I didn't perform live on the... Um, Milton Keynes radio, but I did on Radio Winchcombe, it was exclusively live performances, and um, the Corinium radio, I did one song live, combining that with um, um, with songs from Red Sky Perspectives and songs from my um, my influences as well. It's kind of like my Desert Island discs, really, combined with my own songs. Have you ever collaborated Corroborated with any other songwriters? Um, no, I haven't. No, nothing, nothing official. Anyway, um, all the stuff uh, um, on Red Sky and um, all the songs that I've written post Red Sky have all been um, on my own. But I have recently teamed up with a bass player um, to perform live with and write music with, and um, he's. Um, so we, we've. He's put some really, really good ideas forward. So certainly for the future, we'll be sort of um, uh, corroborating um, with one another to write some write some different songs. But he's in a music project and himself called Toadstone, who are um, quite an unusual, um, quite an unusual uh, band. It's a two-piece. Uh, he does the music, and he's got a, a female singer, and they do some quite unusual songs. Very inspired by bands like Jeffro Tull and sort of bands like that. Oh. Now I'm going to ask you because yeah, some, pe- some people are going to ask the most obvious question that people always ask about bands or singers. Yeah. Because, as we all know, some singers change their names because they're not appropriate yeah. for. <laughs> for sing- I presume this is your real name, but I have to ask it. <laughs> yeah, um, Darren Midwinter is my real name. Yeah. Um, because, uh, you know what I mean, because we, we know Cliff Richard isn't called Cliff Richard. Alvin Stardust, well, he's had so many names. Um, I think it's Shane oh. Fenton, I think his real name is. Oh, okay. I think it is. Don't quote me um. that. But there's so many out there. That, oh, I mean, it's up to them. I mean, it doesn't bother me if they don't use it with me. But. Yeah, I would never, um, I wouldn't ever use a different name, I don't think, because my name's quite, it's quite, it stands out as it is, so I don't really see any point in sort of changing it. Now, but when you put, produce your albums and all that, 
do you make sure you uh, include your copyrights and all that in it? Because I know in a day and age we live in, I mean, I know it's impossible to stop all illegal downloads of songs yeah. and all that. I know um, it's very hard to do, but yeah, I did. I did make sure that everything I did was um, was copyrighted, so I don't lose out on any um, anyone trying to trying to nick my music. And uh, I mean, I put it available to stream, but I think people will always try and find ways to download music for free without any kind of um, um, you know uh, without without having to pay for it. Um, however, by any means necessary. But um, with the streaming services that there are nowadays with Spotify and Amazon Music and um, sort of things like that and YouTube Music um, but there's not really any much point really to to uh, use these sort of more sus suspicious apps and programs to download music from there's not really any need to do that because with Spotify and Amazon Music you can pretty much listen to, listen to pretty much anything under the sun yeah, I agree with you there I think I think most bands now tend to think. I think the money used to be. I don't know if I'm right. If you used to produce an album, you used to get more money than touring. But now it's gone the opposite way. Yeah, uh, the money's where it's at. For, that's how musicians kind of survive: is from getting as many gigs as they can and making and making money that way. No, so because I know that the bigger bands are they're constantly on tour all the time. I don't think I could live that life. I don't think it would be for me. No, I think you've got to be in a certain disposition to sort of, because um, you've got to know what you're letting yourself in for when you go down that road. Um, and there's not a lot of money to be made in it either. I mean, um, a, a very good friend of mine um, is in a band called The Strays, who are a uh, sort of like a 50s, 60s rock and roll band, if you like. And um, they did, I think, 100 gigs last year. It's a lot of gigs. <laughs> There's a lot of gigs, <laughs> but they're an absolutely fantastic band, and they deserve all the credit that they get. How how long did it take to you to learn to play the guitar? Because I learned to play the guitar a little bit at school. I used to know how yeah. to play in the ghetto and hand yeah. hand down your head on Dooley. That's the only two songs. I ever knew to how to play. <laughs> well, um, it sounds a bit kind of um, cliche, but um, with guitar or with anything really, you never really stop learning. I mean, I have so much to learn um, to to play guitar. I mean, I'm more of a rhythm guitarist myself, but uh, there's always new chords for me to discover and new techniques to discover while playing, and um, and all the all the different ways of Manipulating notes, which um, which I don't know about yet. So, um, honestly, just to sum up that, but you, I you say you stopped learning. I mean, I've been learning since um, I've done guitar at school uh, since about aged eleven to sixteen, and then after after school, I um, I taught myself and discovered all these different bands and found my own technique and my own sort of path to my own way of learning the instrument but you never stop learning I think that's the best way to learn if you listen to um, a tra uh, like a 
a musical track and you think, oh, I can pick up that note. And you, you're playing yeah. along and you think, oh, I'm suddenly playing all the right notes. Yeah, you'll be able to suss out if you practice enough and if you've got a natural, a natural ability always helps as well um, to pick out patterns in a certain song that you can just um, interpret and um, if you can apply that to the instrument then it's a very very good start well I I'm, when I do my music well you know what music I do I tend to be getting like I have to do it there and then while I've got the idea in my head yeah. because otherwise <laughs> it goes so I might hear it like, a, like something go ah oh, I could do that because I wrote a song about, because I was in a coma some years ago, and I wrote a song called It's Not My Time in Heaven. Right. I'll, I'll send you the link for that one. And, um, yeah, do. And uh, I, could, I thought I could write that because it was like something very personal. Do you find that? Do you find it easier if you've got something you like to say in the song? Because, you know, like... You yeah, know, yeah. Absolutely. If there's a message or a thought which I have, and um, I want to be able to write a song which would um, which would kind of bring bring my own opinion or um, um, vision, if you liked, for um, for that particular idea. And every song that I wrote is personal to me, so um, I don't. Um, I'm not afraid to say that um, I'm, a lot of all my songs are. Um, from my own viewpoint and as honest as um, as honest as they could be I imagine you'd be quite honoured if someone you knew like like say one day someone come along and listened to your one of your albums and uh, someone said when you up said oh could I cover your song <laughs> yeah that would make me very very happy um, if someone um, wanted to use my song and um, make it their own because I think sometimes you can listen to a different interpretation and think, yeah. oh yeah, they did it quite good. I didn't think of that one. I didn't think of doing it that way. I'll give you a classic example. Uh, Johnny Cash, Hurt. Yes. Now, yeah, most people um, think it's his song. It's not. It's by Nine Inch Nails. I think that's the one people remember because I think he he knew he was dying and it related to yeah. his life in a strange kind of way. Sure. Yeah, and another one of the covers which I really, really like actually is the um, Boys On My Mind by Pet Shop Boys. Yes, that's a very good cover. Not some covers don't work. You think yeah, that? um, songs when they make it when they take make the song into their own identity rather than making it sound um, exactly the same I oh, know if I was to cover say one of your songs I'd do it my style Even if exactly I would say oh hey, if you want to cover that fine but do it your style yeah, yeah I don't mind exactly yeah I think exactly the same as you in that respect I think as you said the world of music is more fickle than people realise Absolutely. Have you it's ever a done a promo video for your songs? Um, I've 
actually made like a um, or a, tra a trailer or anything like that, but I've managed to, um, with help from um, my my best friend Rob Gale, um, who's actually designed the artwork for Red Sky Perspectives. Um, with him, we did something called the Woodland Sessions, where I would take each song on the album, strip it back to the bare minimum, which was me um, in an outdoor setting with an acoustic guitar and nothing else. That was it. And it was a, it was quite a good way to actually um, reimagine the songs, obviously, when they're stripped back and you have that much more raw sound. And that's how, how I first started performing anyway, was just from myself, an acoustic guitar. So it's sort of going back going back really to how it all began as well as a way to um, sell my sell my material yeah it's a bit like I, I used like the unplugged series on um, on MTV yeah I think um, what yeah, was the band oh, Nevada Nirvana no, did it yeah, yeah I, I mean most people said oh they would never do it but they 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 did a very good unplugged session it's fantastic uh, them and um, Alison Chains as well. They did an absolutely fantastic set. Because pe when you say, like you say, if you strip, it sounds people say, oh, well, you got, but to strip it down without all the buzzes and bells and all the. Yeah, I think I think if an artist is able to do that, to strip it back, to make it sound just as good, if not better, uh, um, with less. Um, because obviously with production you can manipulate everything um, to make it sound just so. But if you can make it sound um, as good with less going on, when there's absolutely nowhere to hide, then there's there's, there's much more talent there for me. Perhaps you should do your like a, a little mini album of your songs stripped down. Yeah. <laughs> There's something I actually thought about as just um, a very basic um, uh, setup. So going back, going back to how it all began for me, yeah. I think it worked because then people could compare and thinking, oh yeah, I can see what he's done there. Yeah, for sure. Because I, I, uh, my my friend of mine I know in Walsby, he writes a lot of his own music and produces a lot of his own stuff. Called Jonathan Downs and. Um, he used to go touring around in bands. He said it. Okay. Was, he said it was a lot of, like sometimes you turn up and it'd be like one person in the crowd, but he still t he yeah. still had to perform. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, all you're getting is yeah, like a pint of beer for the night or something. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's it's happened on a few occasions where you go to open mics and things and there's very very little happening so you think what 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 are you what's what's the point you know of even thinking about performing when there's no one to perform to but i still think it gives you that um practice or practice something. you know but i think if you if i want you yeah. to do say to say for argument i thought oh i'll give my songs a chance i wouldn't go straight into a studio i would do what you did no. you know, go to an open mic and think if people don't like it, fine. Yeah. That's exactly how it was for me, because um, I go back about 10 years or so uh, to when I was first performing, and um, my my thought process was basically if I 
like it, then I'll keep on doing it. But if I don't like, if I didn't like it, then I would sort of, um, I would not sort of do it again for a while, or or just not do it altogether. But I'm very pleased that I had that thought because it's got me where I am today, really, and I've I've never looked back. As I'm a great believer in life, that you should take a chance. That's how I started. That's how I started my podcast. I just thought I'm not very good on on YouTube because I find it uncomfortable. But behind the sure. mic, I could be anybody I want. Sure. And I think I've got a bit of a knack for it. I think I'm just you know self boasting myself. But um, sure. And I I've I started it back in the twenty second of. December 2017. All right. I've done over God knows how many. I've done. I've done over 1,000 plus episodes because I'm very prolific. I do yeah. my. I I do my own horror house show. Okay. Which I I read other people's stories and I write and produce my own. And um, as I say, I have a gut music. I do a bit of comedy. I try to mix it around and also have people like yourself on, like musicians and um, authors yeah. and all that. Give people a chance. People be thinking, who is this person? And then they could go out and <laughs> check you out. And no, I think I think it's a great thing because people say, oh yeah, but I say yeah, but I say you know, if you get seven people, that seven people tells another seven people. Yeah, and that's seven. And say that seven people is more than what you had if you didn't do it. That's it. You never, I mean, <coughs> if you want big numbers, you normally have to get sponsored quite heavily. Yeah. I think you, I mean, as you know, I mean, you can be, I know people go on about YouTube billionaires, but if you look at their shows, they are heavily um, product oh, yeah, placements. advertising all over the place. Yeah, they wouldn't be nothing without the place. That that's what pays them. Oh yeah, of course it is. Have you ever wanted to produce a song for a film or TV show? Um, no, actually, it's something I never even. Um, I think I actually really um, thought about, but um, oh god, what was? Um, I had a conversation with someone. Um, oh, I remember now. It was when I did the show for Corinium Radio, and um, they asked me if um, I think it was Corinium Radio. Um, anyway, um, but I had a conversation with someone who was a professional, whether it was a I think it was radio, uh, who um, asked me if I would um, sort of jokingly said, "Oh, if you have any spare work, you know that'll be that'll be cool." Is that uh, oh? You know, maybe you could even write jingles for radio. <laughs> well, don't knock it. There's big money in it. Oh, yeah, it could be. It could be quite a good fun, quite a, a little extra outlet for me. Well, I mean, it's not as easy as people think to write a jingle. Because if not, you no, it has to be short, snappy, catchy. Yeah, because you have to make you have to make you got like I don't know, like less than thirty seconds to grab the audience. Something like that. You see, if I had to do my podcast show, it'd be something like, "It's cool, it's sweet." Listen to the halls of Emar podcast show, or something like that. Yeah, just keep it short, sweet, and gone. Yeah, 
Well, be, do a bit, add a bit of comedy. Yeah. Well, you know, like you say, if, if it's a bit more. Because I, I, you know, I know a friend of mine, friends of mine, want, want to make their own zombie movie. Because yeah. basically, you can. It's not the hardest movie in the world to make. You can get just some. No. People, you can you can get some people with basically. A basic story can be any plot you like because. With zombie stories, you can think of any bizarre plot and stick a zombie in it somewhere. Oh, yeah. There you go, yeah. And th th they said, oh, would you do it? I said, yeah, I'll do it a little bit. I just thought, I just thought, and then, like, you, um, what's it? Is it, the, there's a zombie film with really good soundtrack on it. I think it's either The Day uh, of the Dead or something of the Dead. Anyway, my stepson had it. It's got some really good songs. Okay. Proper like um, sixties and classic songs, you know. Oh, wasn't um, wasn't Shaun of the Dead, was it? Yeah, some, uh, Shaun of the Dead's got some good songs in it. I just yeah, think sometimes yeah. I think sometimes you could do like an ironic song. You know, when they yeah. they they they're walking, you can say, yeah, I don't know, what's something about. Um. They're walking with a shuffle. <laughs> but it ain't no dance I've seen in the dance floor. Maybe oh, a disco one some years ago, something like that. You know, I, I, I just think I think, as I say, my 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 music is a bit more bizarre than yours. But I don't play sure. a musical instrument. I don't even pretend to play an instrument. I just, use my, I just use my voice and sometimes I ask fans if they can borrow their music. You know, I yeah. ask them first. I, I don't do I, I, I've been lucky because a couple of people I've interviewed before have let me use a couple of their tracks as background tracks. Sure. Which is very, very I mean, nice. Yeah, they, they can always say no, but, you know, I think it's nice. Yeah, another thing you can use is, um, st um, I, think a, I think they're called stock songs where you be able to backing tracks with no with no loyalties behind them so you can use them and then you can then sing over those yeah exactly I mean and you're not breaking no law or anything you just as long as you say I use the following no track from da -da -da -da. it surprised me how many I, I was looking at public domain stuff the other day and it shocks right. me how much stuff is actually available on public domain I imagine if I looked up songs properly, public domain songs, I'd probably be shocked that I mean, people didn't bother copywriting back in the 60s. Yeah. Because it wasn't, it was, I mean, I think Chuck Berry didn't do a lot of his own, cop, didn't copyright a lot of his songs. It wouldn't surprise me. I know that Bob Dylan had a lot, uh, pretty, uh, all of his, a lot of his earlier back catalogue was, um, was covers of... Um, with all traditional songs and public domain songs, like you said. So I know you've got another um, project in the pipeline, or you finished your project in the pipeline, I don't know. I know you mentioned it in your bio. So, what is right. your new project, please? Yes, it's, um, well, it's a follow-up to Red Sky Perspectives. It's a six-track EP, 
which is called um, With Immediate Effect, and it's um, it's full of some really, really nice songs, and between each nice song is a dark song. So it's this kind of restless feel where you hear something really nice and lovely, then the next song we hear is this really dark and um, quite sort of um, hard-to-listen-to song, and then you go back to a nice one. So it's a nice even split of the sort of light and shade. Yeah, I think you need that because life is light, isn't it? Life is light and shade. Yeah, um, there's a lot. I mean, it sort of defies a lot of the convention as well, um, with the sense that a lot of a lot of bands and acts have songs which sound pretty much the same, whether it's musically or whether it's on a production side of it. But my producer and I um, both said that we wanted to do something a little different to Red Sky Perspectives in pretty much every sense of the word and um, it's a very very exciting prospect, I'm back in the studio on Tuesday night um, to finish the guitar tracks but um, the songs which I've wrote, um, lyrically and musically it, uh, are very 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 um, very interesting at, at times I should look forward to listening to some of those tracks. Now, please mention yes, um, again where people can find you, just in case they didn't hear it the first time. Of course. Um, so the best way to get hold of me is through Facebook on my music page, which is simply called Darren Midwinter Music. Um, you can actually message me directly if you want to buy a copy of um, my album. Um Alternatively, you can go on to YouTube. I'm on YouTube. You can subscribe to my channel um, and to download my music on Spotify and um, iTunes, Amazon Music, Google Play, all major platforms. Now, before I go, I normally like to, I myself like to do a unique sign-off before I go. Now, I'm going to put okay. you completely on the spot because this was not planned and that's just why I like doing this bit. Would you like to do a unique sign-off? It could be anything you particularly want to do. Okay. So, um, something along the lines of... So, thank you very much for uh, for listening to the Mark Rains podcast with Darren Midwinter. And um, it's been an absolute pleasure. And we'll hear from, you'll hear from me again very, very soon. Right. Are you ready, then? <coughs> Da, 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 da. Thank you, Darren, for being on the show. We talked about your music, you know. One day we have to <laughs> collaborate with a song or two. Perhaps we could make it a funny or two. I could give you one lyric and you could say, I'm not playing that. Go away. So thank you very much for being on my show. Good night. Thank you. And goodbye. How did how do you think that went? I mean, it was great. <laughs> yeah, obviously, I wasn't really sure, wasn't um, didn't know what um, questions you were going to ask me, so I um, apologise for zooming and ahhing a little bit. No, I, I keep I it. Guess um, I guess I guess you like the kind of more um, the more impulsive side of it. Yeah, I I, I keep it impulsive. <laughs>